Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wessner Flynn, your co-host Dimity, and I'm just happy to be here with you today. It is now August. I can't believe it. Summer is flying by. I know. I know. When do your kiddos start school? They start August 29th. Um, but today was the official start of the high school sports season. Oh, and that's right. And you are a cross-country coach, right? Yep. I started cross-country and my son, who's starting high school this fall, is also started cross-country. So we both had oh. our first day of practice this morning. Are you are you as official coach? Do you be like, um, I don't know if you should be eating that. I'm your coach. No, you wouldn't say that. But I mean, I but, did what, a little how'd... like your coach said, and his coach is also Sarah because oh. there's a million Sarahs who run. It's just okay. If your name is Sarah. You're likely a runner. So <laughs> he he goes to a different school than where I coach. So there's some separation. Oh, that's but, good. Yeah, his coach Sarah sent out like a really nice reminder of everything that he should have for the first day. So I didn't have to really think. I just said, read your email. Make sure you have everything Coach Sarah says. And he went and I went and I went to pick him up and um, afterwards and he loved it. He was really excited for it. So oh, good. Good. Did you compare? Excited. Did you compare notes about your first day? Like did you oh, workout notes? Yeah. Did you guys do the same thing or? Well, it's funny because we had two kids who puked this morning. <laughs> oh, jeez! Holy cow. And then his coach is like, yeah, somebody puked today. I was like, okay, good. So it wasn't just, we didn't, <laughs> we're not allowed to work them hard in the beginning because our county has a very strict heat policy. So when it's hot, you really have to take it easy. Let them have it, like all the water breaks they want. And so I don't know how our kids threw up other than, breakfast, which is funny because that's kind of what we'll be talking about talking today. About I know, I know. So well, yeah. They, they well, I think it's right. just getting back, getting back to it too and the heat and the, I mean, and all that. I mean, and I think, you know, I, I'm sure that your, your athletes did exactly what you asked and ran over the summer, Sarah, exactly the amount you <laughs> wanted them to. Um, but also you get into a group situation and you might push yourself a little bit harder than you would have on your own. Right. So, um, I think, yeah, you know. that's, I think that was the case and they're all young. You know, we had a bunch of freshmen who probably have never run that much before. And so I was like, all right, drink, take it easy. Please come back. Don't think this is going to happen every time, single time you go for a run. <laughs> Do you have to like so, talk to the, do you have to talk to the parents when they throw up or no? Uh, no, I mean, most of them, no. I think were pretty embarrassed and they just like left, you know, they, they kind of like slunk away because it was at the end of practice. Um, so we just have to make sure that they're okay. Follow up, sure. just make, you know, remind them to hydrate and to, so that it's good that, you know, a lot of things go into that nauseousness, I guess. And I just think for their part, it was, it was something new for their body to, you know, to handle. And, yeah. uh, they'll be better tomorrow but the practice was 30 minutes of running but they could stop whenever they wanted to and they could go at any pace they wanted to so okay, it's not okay. like we work them that hard sure yeah. sure and so I'm curious do you, do you does your team and your son's team do you guys ever are, are you ever at the same meet 
Mm-hmm. They used to be in the same division, but now we're in different divisions, but we'll see them at invitationals and then counties and regionals and states. So we're in the same region, uh, just a different division. So if oh, Eamon makes so big championship races, then it'll be exciting because I can see him run too there. But um, yeah, so that's fun. But I think we have like dual meets on the same day. So I won't always be able to see him run during the week, unfortunately, but I'll be able to see him at the certain invitationals that we'll be t- at together. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I can't wait to, you gotta, you gotta um, keep us updated on, on both of your seasons. Cause it's, I think it probably is more stressful as a coach than an athlete or a mom. Yeah, um, <laughs> You're in charge. You're in charge of a lot of kids. Right. And this isn't like, he loves baseball. So this is just a filler sport for him. So it's not like we have any expectations. He has like, no, his goal is just to make the team and, and be able to have fun and, and get to know some high school kids. Um, so that's kind of nice that we're going into it with a very laid back attitude. Whereas as a coach, I'm like, we got to win. You know, we have these great, <laughs> you know, I have a total different perspective, but I'm like, Amen, no, you can go have fun. Go do your thing. <laughs> I'll put all the pressure on my, my high school athletes. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But how's everything going your way? Are you back at oh, home? Or- everything's good. Yep. I'm home from Steamboat uh, visiting my parents and uh, school starts for my junior in high school um, next, either next Wednesday or Thursday. It's so funny because like, you know, we don't need school supplies anymore. We got like a closet full of them. He doesn't even want them. You know, he's like, whatever, I'll just go to class and see what I need. You know, like I I miss those days of, you know, filling up a red plastic target cart with, you know, number twos and erasers and glue sticks and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, that's great. Amelia, my daughter is, um, she's already moved into her dorm at Regis and is um, starting to practice uh, volleyball and school starts for her, I think a little bit later, but pretty soon. I mean, early, like mid to late August. And um, yeah, I mean, everything else is going well. I did some hiking in Steam, but I did quite a bit, actually. I was really excited when I went back and looked at my cumulative numbers. I hiked like 34 miles in Steamboat oh last gosh. week. Yeah, wow. which, yeah, which is a lot. And I did some great hikes. I did one with Ben. I did a 10 miler with Ben that was just gorgeous, unbelievably gorgeous. It was just, it's called the Zirkle Circle. It's up yeah, in the Zirkle Wilderness near Steamboat. But then I also did like two longer hikes with my mom, who's like, I am, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know if she's 76 or 77, but she's She's definitely, you know, in her mid to late seventies, and um, and we did like a five and a half mile hike that had, I think, like fifteen hundred feet of climbing, and then we did like an eight mile hike that was even harder because the five and a half one was just up, which is easier, I think, on your body than going down. I know mm-hmm. for me anyway. And yeah. then this other one we did was more of a climb and then a descent, so that so that eight miler was hard, but. She's a trooper, man. <laughs> I was like, well, do you need food? Do you need water? Do you need this? Do you need that? And she's like, oh, no, I'm good. You know, she has her hiking poles. I have my hiking poles. We're kind of mm-hmm. two birds of a feather. So it was really fun. Well, that's where you get your athleticism from, I guess, right? It's it's genetic. So it is genetics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of it. And your your children too, who are athletic. So it's it's kind of cool to see that. I'm sure I always say that my mom actually will say, like, oh, you know, I was before Title IX, but if I had those opportunities, I would have been an athlete just like you girls. But all I had the opportunity to was cheerleading and basketball, which she wasn't really good at. But you know, our moms didn't have all of the uh, sports 
options that we no. did now. So you wonder, like, would have she have been an athlete? Uh, maybe she was. I don't know much about your mom. Yeah, but no, that's you have okay. Yeah, and that's a different that's yeah. a different podcast. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. she's I mean, she's always been active. She's very very yeah. active and likes and mm-hmm. she likes to move like I do. You know, so yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, and good role model for everybody for you and your daughter and everybody to see that she's really active into her seventies. So yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of activity and fueling and hopefully going back my athletes not throwing up when you're out there in your hike or your run or anything is feeling correctly, right? So we have a great guest coming on and let's just stack up a little bit. And so our focus today is on the fall racing season. You know, that cool air is breathing down our neck. We can feel it even though it's so hot and humid here on the East Coast, but it's really a good time to think about dialing in that nutrition plan for races. So this is a particularly big concern for me because I'm going to be doing this marathon at Twin Cities and I'm starting to really think about fueling strategies and I don't want it to deter my race um, in particular in on October 2nd. Yeah, you're definitely not alone in that concern. We've got a lot of people racing this fall and we wanted to bring a nutritionist, a dietitian on to talk about two meals. Um, we, t- we we saying fuel, but this is not a podcast about how to fuel during a run. And certainly we can talk about that another time, but I think it's really important to think about dinner the night before and breakfast the day of before a long run or a race, right? Although consistent healthy eating habits all week long are important, these two meals can greatly benefit or negatively influence your long run or race day. So let's welcome our guest, Jen Giles, a nutritionist and mom of four who lives in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Jen has been a runner for 31 years, and in a quest to learn to run better, she did some research on nutrition. That changed her life and ultimately led her down the path of becoming a sports nutritionist. Jen has a master's degree in nutrition, a second one in physiology. She's a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. She owns a private practice called Eat for Sport, where she helps athletes of all abilities nail their nutrition in order to become strongest, fastest, healthiest, and best athlete they can be. So hello, Jen. Hello, guys. Thank you for that intro. That makes me sound way cooler than I actually am. (laughs) So, Jen, you were a runner for 31 years, but tell us a little bit about your athletic background, uh, what sports you did, what you like to do now, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I always was active as a child and I played all your youth sports that everyone else does, basketball, soccer, blah, blah, blah. But I really fell in love with softball and swimming. So those were kind of my loves. And I did that through high school. But because, and I I know this now, because of my lack of connection between nutrition and uh, performance, I really could never take my sports beyond high school. It just really honestly wasn't that good. (laughs) I knew I had the potential, but something was missing for me to take it to the next level. So I went along to college and after that freshman 15, which was much more than 15 for me. I decided to run. I thought, you know, it it was the cheapest, quickest, fastest way to lose it. And I just got a pair of running shoes one day and set out for a run and immediately got hooked. Like so many runners out there just hooked, just couldn't get enough. Just ran, 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 ran. And then one day I literally looked in the mirror and I said, I think nutrition might be holding me back because, you know, I had some GI upset and I really wasn't getting faster. And 
I thought I could be better, just like I did in high school with my other sports. So I started reading every magazine I could get and books and just researched everything and changed almost everything I was doing because I was doing almost everything wrong. And uh, I started to become faster. Wow. Shocker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's so cool. That's so cool. And then you got So then I know that you also are a triathlete. Like, when did that happen? Yeah. So that happened pretty much 10 years later. So I was a runner, straight on runner for 10 years. And just, I just ran a lot road races almost every single weekend and, you know, built myself up to the marathon distance and kind of got obsessed with endurance running until I got injured because I was doing too much. And so too much, too often, I wasn't changing it up enough. And so I thought, let's buy a bike. (laughs) At this point point, I was married. So me and my husband were like, let's just buy bikes and let's join the pool and see if we can swim because I was a swimmer. So I'm like, I think I can still swim. And then a friend of ours talked us into doing a sprint dry one Tuesday evening in the summer. And then we got hooked again, mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. which turned into a whole other obsession. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. I was the same way. I was like, I'm sick of getting injured from running. And then I was like, I have this swimming background. Maybe I should get back in the pool. And then that's actually how you and I met was through triathlon. That is so true. Try brings a lot of people together. And that's one of the parts I love about it the most is just how connected we all are through triathlon or running or swimming or sports in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's talk some food. Let's let's get to the good part. So, Jen, let's talk first about dinner. And I mean, I know that. So, again, we're talking about kind of the night like I always think of it as a Friday night because I always used to run long or do the hard workouts on Saturday morning. And I prefer races that are on Saturday. But Sunday, it might it might be a Saturday night as well. But like I always used to think like, OK, you've got to really carbo load like the night before. I mean, I've written articles about carbo loading for Runner's World. So I'm I'm just wondering is that still the thing to do or has times changed with knowledge and, and just expertise along the way? Yeah, I, I know that science has changed a lot. We've studied a lot. I think in the 90s, we really thought carbo loading and I was part of that. Carbo loading was all that, right? And we'd show up to the, the start line just bloated and full and retaining water and all the rest of it. But as the studies went on, we really proved to ourselves that we need, we do need a lot more carbs before we race, obviously, because that's the first fuel our bodies go to when we're running, especially when we're running long. But we also need protein to slow down the muscle loss. And we also need fat as fuel because we're running long and our bodies need fat. So we really learned that we need, we need more of all three nutrients the night before. And if you're running super long, we may even want to back that up two nights before just sure. so we have glycogen storage, fat storage, and protein turnover storage. Mm-hmm. So so define super long. Is that a marathon length? Like, is that the two nights before a marathon? Is it an ultra, like, just so people are like, wait, I wonder if I'm, if my 15 miler qualifies as thinking about it two nights before instead of one. I would say like 15 miles one night before 15, 16, 15 to 18 miles one night before. If you're doing 18 to 20 or 22, like marathon um, training, like the peak of your marathon training, you really want to back that up two nights before. If you are, and especially on race day, on race day, I would even for a marathon back that up three nights before. And if you're doing an ultra, I would back it way up to like five or six nights before your body. You want to really get your body ready so that your storage is optimized before you Hit that start line. Hit that mm-hmm. start line. So, uh, Sarah, I will, I'm going to insert one more question that I promise I'll let you talk. <laughs> so, so talk about that. Like, I mean, throw out some some general ideas of what what that looks like. That carb, protein, fat ratio. 
Okay. So your body doesn't like a whole lot of change, first of all. And that's really the reason behind why we increase our mileage nice and slowly, right? We can't go from 10 miles to 20 miles overnight or even in a week. We like to kind of baby step it up. Nutrition's the same way. So you, we really don't want to go from, say, eating 2,000 calories a, a day before, and then all of a sudden, you know, during normal training rather, and then all of a sudden, jack that up to 4,000 calories. Your body is not going to like that either. So sure. I like to gently increase it. So whatever you're kind of eating on a daily basis in terms of protein, carbs, and fats, and I'm not a huge calorie counter either. I just kind of throw that number out there. But what really I like to do is just whatever you're normally eating the day before a long run, say if you're going for 15 to 16 miles, just increase it one serving, one serving of carbs, one serving of protein, one serving of fat at dinner the night before. It's kind of trial and error too. I always tell my athletes, like it's nutritional CSI. We're going to get in there during your training phase and you're going to test a lot of things out and you're going to see what makes you feel the best so that at race day, you have a plan nailed down. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about what we should have on our plates. What are some things that we really should be avoiding? Okay. Another great question. Because <laughs> I think some of us go out the night before. I know I'm in the circle of, of runners that go out the night before and eat a whole lot of whatever we want because we're trying, trying to store up for racing, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get out on the race and don't feel so good. So anything you're not used to, first of all, or have not practiced during training, stay away from. You do not know how your body's going to react to that. On race day specifically, we have a lot of nerves, right? You have butterflies in your stomach, you're nervous, there's a lot of adrenaline, and that can slow down digestion. And if you have food left in your GI tract, because, and you're nervous, that can come out in a way that we don't want it to come out. And runners have experienced that before. So if we can just neutralize everything and eat foods that you're used to eating during training, that's the best way to go about it. On top of that, there are certain foods that tend to irritate your GI system, um, high fatty foods like French fries or chips, spicy foods can irritate your GI tract. I mean, I love spicy foods, but I definitely stay away from them the night before a long run or a race because they can upset, you know, the balance of your GI tract. So those are two things. And some people are sensitive to other things such as too much fiber. Think about fiber on a daily basis. Fiber is great, right? It slows down your digestive process so that things can get absorbed nice and slowly, balances your blood sugar nicely. But before a race, you want to clean out your GI tract. So too much fiber can slow that down. We really want to speed things up so that we're nice and clear before we tow the start line or before you start your long run. So too much fiber, I usually back off on fiber that, that night before also. All right. All right. So I'm curious, Sarah, have you started to experiment with what you might eat before your marathon or what what's on what's on your plate? Mm -hmm. Not specifically, but I am more cognizant. Like I'll do my long runs on Sunday, let's say, and like Saturday night, I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna, if I have that pizza, for example, I know I'll probably be feeling pretty bad. Sunday, I ran on Sunday night. I had a lot of kind of like just a nauseous feeling. And I think it was just because I wasn't very cautious all week long, you know, we were kind of on vacation and I was eating, you know, vacation food. And so I do need to just be a little bit more aware and figure things out. I mean, I'm like a straight, like grilled chicken, baked potatoes type of person before races, yeah. um, not so much pasta. And so I know that will work well with me, but you know, I do feel the need to like 
well, I'm going to learn a lot from Jen today. I know that, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to breakfast in a little bit, but breakfast is my big hang up because I just not a big fan of breakfast, but let's talk a little bit more about dinner here. Yeah. Um, Demi, did you have anything else to say or we can go into timing of dinner? Cause that's well, really, I'm, I'm curious, Jen, what do you, what do you have? I like, I like specific examples. So what's your go-to dinner before a, a long race or a long run? That's a great question. I've changed it up over the years. I am a pasta person. And in the last number of years, I really focus on like a chickpea pasta has a little bit more protein and the ratio of carbs to protein is a little bit better. I'm really sensitive to blood sugar fluctuations. So that's just a personal choice of mine. I also love doing baked potatoes. So that's, I think that's a great thing to do before a race. And I often recommend that also sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. But, um, but back to your question, I usually do a chickpea pasta with grilled chicken, spinach and mushrooms and a nice like Rayo's tomato sauce, high sodium. And then you have a balance. It's protein, it's carbs. It's, I, I always add some olive oil either to my tomato sauce. Well, Rayo's is actually has a nice amount of fat in it anyway. So that's good. Or I cook my chicken in olive oil to add some fat. So that'll just increase the fat. So you have a great co- combination of carbs, protein, and fat. And that will help glycogen storage overnight. And going into that long run or race day, that works really well for me. Mm-hmm. Sounds delicious. Jen, you sound like you live in my house. What's that? It's not Banza pasta. It's the yeah. one that's like, it's the yellow one that has, um, it's a yellow a Barilla pasta that has the extra. Po- yeah. That's what I've always given my kids. Like I'm, yeah. I think when they have the real thing, they're like, what is this? This is so good. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. Surprising, right? to- Nobody really even knows what they just eat it. And they're like, what? This is chickpea pasta. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. Barilla Plus, which is not chickpea based. That's just added, added protein, but it has the same ratio as Bonzo, which is a chickpea protein. Yeah. And what was yeah. the kind of sauce that you mentioned? I love Rayo's pasta sauce. Just love the taste of it. I also like, I think the other one that I love is called Victoria. I get them both at Costco. So I was going to say, yeah, I, I call it Rouse, but you're probably saying it right, Jen. Oh, Rayo's. Yeah, I might be saying it wrong. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, we like that around here too. And you can, it is, mm-hmm. when you get, buy it off like the shelf, especially now, it like a a regular like a Wegmans or whatever it's like ten dollars a jar but it, it's a it's a you can get two at Costco bigger jars for a lot less um so yeah, yeah. that's awesome that's awesome gotta love the pasta and we used to do um back when races were a thing where they're coming back um we would do a pre-race expo talk and, and we would briefly touch on nutrition not like we're doing it here but I often like chipotle before a race um I like the rice chicken like kind of light on beans some guacamole you know keep it simple and I liked that you could get it anywhere, right? Or most, you know, most places I was racing, I usually wasn't racing in random, you know, small cities. So I like that combo. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, Jen, if you're, if you're gluten-free, do you have any ideas for people that, you know, because pasta is kind of the go-to. Yeah, well, Bonza pasta is gluten-free. So that's okay. a good answer for anybody who's gluten-free. But above and beyond that, rice obviously is going to be a gluten-free high carb option, baked potatoes, baked sweet potatoes, or any other kind of non-gluten grain is a great option beforehand. And you can mix that with any protein as well. So now let's talk about timing of dinner, because that's something for me, I struggle with Jen, because it's like, how much time do you want to give yourself to digest that food, to get all of the benefits of it before the night before? Also, I find if I eat too early, then I get hungry before I go to bed and then I can't fall asleep. So what is your recommendation for timing wise of dinner? 
So I always say about three hours before bedtime, you want to have your dinner, but you're absolutely right because every time you're going to eat dinner and you're going to be starving just about when it's time to go to bed. So you need to top that off with a little dessert beforehand because it's just going to increase the amount of glycogen storage overnight. So I'll always say, okay, have your dinner. So whether it be your baked potato and grilled chicken and veggies or pasta with chicken and rayo sauce, which is my favorite, Mm -hmm. then I would balance that about maybe 30 to 45 minutes before you go to bed with another smaller snack. And that can be any kind of snack that you enjoy eating, say during the day, Greek yogurt and a banana, um, some granola and dried fruit and nuts. That's a good one. You know, and it has any kind of combination of carbs and protein that's going to, you know, satiate you. And so that you're not waking up in the middle of the night starving. And you also don't want to be starving in the morning too. You really want to store that glycogen so that you're well fueled going into that race so that you can have a small breakfast in the morning to top it off, which we'll talk about in a second. But timing wise, that's general. So that's kind of like textbook general timing. There are many people that that doesn't work for. Say if you have a fast metabolism, you're going to burn through dinner pretty quickly. So maybe you might have that snack an hour after. You might have two snacks after dinner before race night. And it's also going to depend on what you had earlier during the day. Were you running around at the expo and didn't eat anything all day? Were you traveling and didn't have access to food? You might need another bigger snack or maybe two dinners, right? (laughs) Or Something that's it's pretty common. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a race and I show up to dinner table and I'm like, I've been eating a thing all day. And this is the mm-hmm. worst thing that could ever happen to me because you're so busy, right? Traveling mm-hmm. or whatnot. So it's gonna be a little bit different for everyone. If you have a slow metabolism and you know, that's another thing you learn along the way when you're training. You may be fine with an earlier dinner and no snack before bed because you don't have the hunger issues or, you know, just because your body is still metabolizing everything. So textbook about three hours, but just know that it's a little bit different for everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about beverages for a bit. Um, aside from like sipping on water or a drink with electrolytes, maybe with your pre-race meal, or is that is that too dorky? I don't know. Like, if, do you have your noon at the dinner table? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely, especially before race day. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I'm curious. Like, okay, is that the preferred hydration, or could you like throw in a beer or a glass of wine? I'm always like, let's celebrate the fact that we're here. Like, you made it mm-hmm. to the starting line, but is that really? Am I being a little bit too optimistic with how it affects your body? No, that's a great question because I think so many people, so many people ask me that, first of all, I think it comes down to if you're used to having a couple glasses of wine a week or a glass of wine with dinner and your body's used to metabolizing that, go for it. It's going to relax you. It's going to calm you down. It's going to take away those nerves a little bit and your stomach's used to it. So it's okay. If you're someone who doesn't have it often and it can upset your metabolism or or speed up your GI transit, which would not be great, or cause a little bit of a headache the next morning, that's probably not a great idea if you're not used to it, because those are the side effects. So again, just tune into what you're used to and what you know your body can handle and what you've done during training. So Mm -hmm. if you're someone who wants to drink before race night and it calms you down, I would do it before your long runs just to make sure you feel okay. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I like so, that advice. Thank you for saying it's okay because <laughs> I'm not saying that I need alcohol to relax, but it does help take the turn the volume down on those nerves the night before. I have to say it helps relax a little bit. Yeah. I also think we have to remember a lot of this is social. I mean, I know that we're competitive and we're trying to get best times and different races have different purposes. And there's a lot of races that are social and you're going to a race with your friends and 
Maybe it's not your A race. You know, maybe it's just a fun race with friends. That's so different than a race that you want to PR or that you want a podium. That may be a time where you maybe not do that or you may not need it because it may affect you negatively. But you will definitely figure that all out during training because more times than not, it does calm you down and give you a little bit, you know, you'll fall asleep faster. Um, you don't have to worry about staying asleep faster because you're probably waking up too early anyway. So that's, yeah. that's- <laughs> I was just about to say, it probably <laughs> mitigates that your, your nerves are going to be bad anyway, especially that night before a race. So, I mean, I know yeah. that alcohol to me sometimes wakes me up at, it, it exacerbates the 2 a.m. wake up, but you know, again, like that's probably happening anyway um, for multiple uh-huh. reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've, We've got dinner covered. Um, hopefully, you know, you have a good night's sleep, whether you have that glass of wine or your that beer. And then you wake up and there's breakfast. And as I alluded to before, like this is just a real struggle for me, especially in like my serious triathlon days. It was the early, the early, early mornings of triathlons and eating. It was just like, oh, choking down that bagel and that banana. Um, so let's just say, but we, it is also very crucial to eat. Obviously you can't, you can't not eat before a race. So what do we really need to know about fueling first thing and what should we eat? Yeah. So I love this. And again, all of this is going to be slightly different for everyone, but in general, if you have fueled well leading up to that race day, meaning the couple of days before increasing your quantity of nutrients that you're intaking, Breakfast is not as important as you think it is. It should be viewed as a top off. Like we're really just topping off all the storage that we just experienced the last couple of days. So, and, and another thing that you just touched on is we are nervous. And when you're nervous, you eating can make you a little bit nauseous. I feel I have the same thing in the morning. Like I race morning, I'll have, I love coffee, but race morning, I can't drink it because it just makes me gag. It's, it, and it's crazy because caffeine can really help you too, which is another thing we could talk about, but I would do small bites of anything you can stomach. There are runners that can stomach a turkey dinner race morning and be totally <laughs> you know, and that's great. They're they're gonna be really well fueled. But if you're somebody who's not like that, who's a little bit more sensitive or maybe a little bit more nervous, then I would just do small bites. There's there's two things I recommend for sensitive breakfast eaters: small bites, couple bites of banana, couple spoonfuls of yogurt a couple bites of a bagel, maybe a spoonful of peanut butter, just some, like new, really neutral foods that are going to give you those carbs, protein, and fats. I would also not do it all at one time. Too much food in your stomach can make you feel bad too. So maybe just in wake up and over the two or three hours before you're actually, the gun's going off, just take small bites throughout those two or three hours. You can handle smaller amounts of foods better than larger amounts of food. Mm-hmm. And, and does it have to be food or like, give us your take on like a, a smoothie that maybe you yeah. bring from the night before or something, Jen. Great minds think alike. That was my next suggestion. <laughs> Liquid nutrition is also usually more well tolerated than solid food. So any kind of like a sports drink that you like can do the trick. Smoothies are awesome because you can get a lot of nutrients in a smoothie. And again, you can make a smoothie, put it in, you know, one of those great fancy cups that we all have now, like hydro flask or whatever, bring that with you and just sip that over an hour or two before the race starts. And that kills two birds with one stone because that's liquid. So it's hydrating and it's providing you with, with whole food nutrition, nutrients Mm -hmm. leading into that race, carbohydrates, fats, and protein. Nice. Yeah. And for anybody who's traveling, who might not have access to a blender, um, is there something like I would actually bring uh, like applesauce or like something like that, where you could that's a little bit more solid, but you can sip on still like applesauce pouches, like my kids yep. stuff. Um, is there anything else like that 
like that comes in like a pre-packaged that you don't actually need all the fresh ingredients if you can't access them at a hotel. Yeah. Applesauce packets is one of the, a, a great thing, even, and, and I know this isn't liquid, but even if you do packaged snacks leading into a race, you know, there's sports bars, there's, you know, a million different gels now that have a combination of protein and carbohydrates. So that could be a good route to go in if you need something really convenient or just package it like a granola bar, or mm-hmm. even they have those little pouches of peanut butter now too, that you can yeah. grab and that's easy mm-hmm. to travel with. So there's a lot of convenient things that you can use as long as you've tried them in training, they're going to mm-hmm. be okay to use during, on race morning. Yeah. All right. So, so Jen, when, when is the last time you raced? Putting you on oh, Do you remember? A couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yes. It was in July. Um, actually, I think it was the end of June. It was a summer solstice run. So it was the end of June and I ran um, in upstate New York and my friend talked me into it and said it was really not going to be that hard. And the entire nine mile race was uphill. Oh my god! Oh, okay, all right. Well, so maybe we don't trust that friend anymore. That was hard. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, let's, it was summer solstice, so that means that's an evening. Was it, an it evening was an race? evening run? Oh, okay. That's a whole, all right. Now, that's topic. that's a whole other thing. Okay. The previous time you raced in the morning, I'm curious, what did you have, or what is your normal go to thing? What do you do? So I'm a smoothie girl. So I have I I usually do a smoothie. The last number of races, um, probably in the past couple of years, I just put a sports product in my smoothie. I use you can. So I put you can powder in my smoothie. Cause like I said, I have issues with blood sugar regulation. So you can works really well for me. There's other products that work well too, but that works in the morning really well for me. And I throw in a banana, I throw in some yogurt. I'll put in flax milk, flax milk. That's actually a non-dairy milk that has added protein in it. So it's a higher protein content than almond milk or oat milk. So that's, that's how I get my protein in there on top of the yogurt. And, um, and that's it. I keep it really simple. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, I know that you just ran a half marathon this weekend. What did, what mm-hmm. did you have? So when I have to like drive somewhere, I usually stop at the Dunkin' nearby and I get a plain bagel with like a little tiny bit of butter. I would get peanut butter, but I don't know if they have it and a skim latte and a banana. And that's usually what I have. And that's kind of what I built when I was traveling to to go to uh, triathlon workouts. They were about half an hour away at five o'clock in the morning. So the Dunkin' was the only thing that was open. So that kind of like became my habit to just do the drive-through and eat that. And that seems fine. And sometimes if I have peanut butter, I'll add peanut butter, but um, I can drink coffee. I can drink not normal. Like Jen was saying, she gags on the coffee. I have to have a latte. I can't have like full on coffee, which is, you know, just nerves, I guess. And just the taste, but yeah, that seemed to work well, even though I was kind of like a little off on Sunday stomach wise, that's usually pretty good for me. And how about you, Dimity? What's your go-to? I mean, I like, uh, I I always drink lattes, by the way. (laughs) I'm a very (laughs) goofy coffee drinker. I cannot uh, (laughs) handle straight up coffee. It's mostly a vehicle for like caffeine and sugar um, and some some frothy milk. And then I, these days, I, you know, I haven't raced in a long time, but I love, I mean, I've really been emphasizing what I can know. I have a pretty iron stomach. Um, I usually wake up hungry and I like to eat um, before a workout. I really am liking those nut butter cliff bars. They have, mm. you know, they, they're not, they're not as hard as like the regular cliff bar. Um, they have like almond butter or peanut butter in it. And I like that it's got some more protein in it. I like that it's easy to, for me to get down. So 
that's definitely one of my go-tos. I like muffins. I like, I don't like, like yogurt. Uh, I just did a workout actually right before this podcast and I had some yogurt before that. I was like, Oh, that was a bad choice. <laughs> I don't <laughs> something about the, the way it kind of sits in my stomach. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I, but I'm pretty easy, but yeah, peanut butter, banana, you know, anything peanut butter. I actually like peanut butter and honey and a banana. I like to sweet, um, sweeten it up, but mm-hmm. yeah, but I do think it's really important to, tested and kind of know that it works for you. So, I mean, how often, Jen, should we be testing out our pre-race meals? Because we all have heard that nothing new on race day. And I assume that goes for the meals leading up to it as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think every time you do a long run, you should be testing. Okay. I mean, if you find something that works for you, then just go for it and just keep it for your long runs, because then you're going to have good long runs, which means you're going to have a good race. So that's great. But if it's not working, then I would change it up right away as early as possible. Even if you're just getting into the nine, tens, elevens, distance wise, I would start testing it then just so you know, and then you can change it if you need to, or keep it the same if you need to, you're going to have to change it anyway, because it's going to have to build in quantity, which you have for breakfast for a 10 mile run is way different than what you're going to have for breakfast for a 20 mile run. So Mm -hmm. the volume will increase along the way. Your nutrition should always reflect your training, but um, but the different foods that you choose should only change if you're having issues. Hmm. This might be a dumb question, but how do you know if you're having issues? I mean, is it is it only if you have diarrhea or is it just that sense of unease, you know? Oh, that's a great question. So a couple different things. Your pace can be off. Maybe you're not able to hold your pace throughout your run. That could be a nutrition issue. Um, your, endur- your endurance. So say you, you're great for 10 miles, but once you get up to 16, you just have to stop and walk. You're just not building your, your, your pace, your endurance as efficiently. That can be a nutrition issue because it's just a fueling issue. You're running out of gas and you could feel like if you ever feel lightheaded or nauseous or shaky, or you have any symptoms of low blood sugar or high blood sugar, that, that's a nutrition issue too. So that's something you, you can fix nutritionally. Those are kind of the symptoms you would feel. Obviously the eye symptom that's, you know, very apparent. We all know what that is, but there's other performance indicators that Mm -hmm. can suggest you need nutrition changes. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that because when I did this half marathon um, on Sunday, I really hit like a a wall at an odd time. Like I've been doing long runs and I hit a wall, I would say like at at 11 out of 13. And up until that point, I was feeling great. And I, I blamed it on the heat. But now that you say that, and now that I said that I wasn't feeling that great, and I knew that my nutrition was off all week. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet it was a fueling factor. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it's something I can adjust. Um, speaking of negative experiences, we love anecdotes around here. I love learning from other runners. So do you have any anecdotes from clients or even from yourself about pre-race fueling gone wrong and how they were able to adjust it and fix it and course correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Just on the top of my head, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, a runner who was and I think this is just a great example, because I feel like most female runners, and this is not a scientific study or anything, this is just based on my clients <laughs> that I work with, are uh, chronically underfueled. I think majority of us just underfuel. We kind of, you know, eat a little bit in the morning, a little bit for lunch, and then we snack in the afternoon, and then we're starving at dinner, right? So we have this kind of interesting relationship with fueling ourselves during the day. And then we wake up and we expect ourselves to perform really well. And then we don't know why. So I was working with this one runner and um, for a long time, and she is also training for a fall marathon. And so we're trying to nail down her nutrition and she was really afraid to eat carbohydrates 
for some reason sure. um, before we started working together, just, you know, diet culture and everything out there. And so she really wasn't. So she was, we found out she was very much under fueling because she was limiting her, her carbs because it's hard to get your, your calorie intake high without carbs. So once she allowed herself to eat a big potato, which she loved, but she wasn't eating because she was afraid to her runs. Not only did they feel much better, she said she just felt like she was bouncing through her run. Th- those are the u- words she. Mm, that's great. Wow. And her pacing started to speed up again. She's really, really a talented runner, but she was kind of plateauing. And now she's noticing that her pace, she can hold her tempo paces better, her short interval paces longer. And she's she's ready to crush it in the fall because now mm-hmm. she has not only her pre-long run fueling down like that dinner, but she has her everyday fueling down, which is really kind of the bigger picture too. I think if you're fueling, I mean, as runners, we're always either preparing for a run or recovering from a run, right? Mm-hmm. Especially sure. if we're training for a, an endurance race. So, and your cells, your cell turnover happens so frequently as well. So if we're not eating the nutrients that our body needs for that cell turnover to happen efficiently, then our cells are not going to get stronger faster or, or build endurance. They're just going to kind of stay the same or maybe get a little bit weaker. So we need to provide your body with enough cells. And if you're under fuel, I mean, nutrients rather, if you're under fueling, those nutrients just aren't there for your cells to turn over. And therefore we're not going to get to where we want to go goal wise. So I think that's a really important under is a really important thing to be mindful of. And just to, just to be aware, am I under fueling? Did I eat enough? Am I restricting? Am I decreasing my carb intake when I need it the most? Um, am I getting enough protein? I think those are great questions to ask yourself and while you're playing around with your nutrients during training. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I do think, yeah, I mean, we get into that, that pattern of, of what you think you need and what you truly need, right? Um, we had uh, Stacy Sims on our podcast, on the Friday podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And um, oh gosh, what's the new acronym for like low calorie, low energy something? Do you know what that is, Jen, by any chance? L-E- are you talking about reds? Like relative? No, it's not. It's not reds because reds is when you're like full on losing right. your period, all that kind of stuff, right? right? It's like the right. stage before that. It's, it's exactly what you just described. She just has a an acronym for it. <laughs> so, availability. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Low energy availability. That's ex- that's exactly what it is. L E A. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. L E A. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to Disney. Um, we're going to switch lanes into questions from a few mother runners. First, a woman in our community named Tammy is looking for an easy pre-race breakfast for her upcoming Dopey Challenge at Disney. So she says, in, Jen, do you know what the Dopey Challenge is? Yes, I do. Have you done it yourself? <laughs> no, no, not. No. So I think for just for anybody who's asking, it's a 5K. I think it's four days, right? 5K, 10K, half marathon and then a marathon Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know if they bundle the 5k and 10k. I think it's four days though. So anyway, it's four days also. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So it's, it's, it's almost 50 miles over four days. I know that. Um, so Tammy says, I need something that I can keep in my hotel room and eat during the wee hours of the morning. That's the other hallmark of Disney races is talk about feeling nauseous. Like you're getting up at two to get to the starting line, <laughs> you know? Um, so there's no microwave in the room, but she does have a small fridge. Um, I've heard the food courts offer box meals to runners, but I'd rather be able to bring something I've tried and know will work for me. Bonus points if it travels easily <laughs> so she can eat it on the bus. So any ideas, Jen? Because again, and that's at, the good news is that Tammy, the races are in early January. So she's got, she's asking the right question at the right time, right? 
Right, right. So she can experiment now. Yeah, the first thing that pops into my head is oatmeal packets. So I would just do some plain oatmeal packets. And there's usually either a co- she doesn't have a microwave. Microwave is helpful, but if she doesn't have a microwave. There's coffee makers in the room and you can just boil some water to coffee maker and then yeah. put it in it's an oatmeal packet and stir that up. And you could even add a maybe a half a scoop of protein powder to your instant oatmeal to get your protein in there too. The cool thing about oatmeal, and this is another pre- race or pre-training breakfast I love is it's one of those carbohydrates that it's a slow release carbohydrate. Sure. It's not just like eating, um, you know, crackers, which is something that's going to spike your blood sugar. It's actually going to release really slowly into your bloodstream and level off. And that's what you want for endurance. So you can get that by eating foods that are slow release carbohydrates, or you can get that by combining protein and carbohydrate, one of the two, but that's really why I like oatmeal. Cause you can carry it can throw it in your luggage, get a couple of packets of instant plain oatmeal, throw them in, in your suitcase and then just yeah. make them in, in your hotel room in the morning. I love it. I love it. And they have those cups now too. My daughter, um, who's a college athlete, she, I think, I mean, I think she pretty much like we should own stock in it. Is it Kodiak that is that how they sell at Costco? Yes. Yeah. And so They're they awesome. have, yeah. And so they have the protein in that. So again, you don't even have to bring the powder. So, um, and it comes and mm-hmm. you know, it gives you the cup and all that. I swear she yeah. probably had 200 of those last year. I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so, uh, we need a budget for that. So um, that's, yeah. great. That's, that's a great idea. Thank they you. also make the packets. So they have the cups. Mm-hmm. Okay. For your listener that just asked that question, I forget her name. She, the cups may actually get smushed in her luggage. So I would yeah. get the packets. They make the packets too. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. The oatmeal cups are a lot. I'll add that to my go-to breakfast when I'm traveling. They're great. I feel like as soon as I get to the location, go to the grocery store, pick up a bunch of those. And uh, you mentioned plain. Now I need a little something. So can you, is it okay to have a a flavor or you just have to watch the sugar or? That's a good question. For the Kodiak cakes, I would actually say you can add a flavor because there's protein that's offsetting the sugar that's in there. If you're using another brand like Quaker that doesn't have, although I think Quaker is, has, I'm pretty sure they make a high protein one now too. But if you, if you got the regular Quaker one, that's really high in sugar, then it's going to be way higher in carbs and very little protein. So that's going to spike your blood sugar. So if you like the flavored ones, just add a protein to it. So maybe mm-hmm. have some peanut butter on the side or a hard boiled egg or something that's going to just offset that ratio. So mm-hmm. if that's what you like, otherwise get the plain and just sweeten it yourself. Say like with honey or just mm-hmm. um, with a little jam or something or maple syrup or agave, just to sweeten it yourself because you'll add less sugar by doing that than you would no- having it normal with the sugar that they put in there. Right. Yeah. You can't beat the convenience. It is easy. Yes. Um, all right. So another breakfast question. This comes from Katrine, who's competing in an Olympic triathlon woo-hoo, on Saturday. She's trying to come up with a plan for her race morning. We did touch on this a little bit before, but let's reiterate what you said. She says her regular breakfast is muesli with berries, and then she will have close to three hours until she races. So she's wondering if she should take along a smoothie. Um and, you know, or maybe you can touch on the smoothie thing again, or just talk about something to snack or sip on when you've got a couple of hours to spare before the gun goes off. Yeah. Love this question because, and in an Olympic triathlon situation, you can eat closer to race time because swimming, you're not going to have that jostling of your stomach. So you don't have to leave too much time to digest because you'll have that swim time to digest before you get on your bike. And then you'll have a lot of time to digest whatever you're eating on your bike before you get on your run. So you can actually sip on a smoothie all the way up till race start. And then you're getting your fluids and nutrients in there, or you could, you know, munch on a cliff bar 
or um, another protein bar that you like, or have a gel or um, an applesauce packet, kind of things we've all talked about before. I also like pretzels. Pretzels are a great pre-race snack or even pre-run snack because they have um, quick, quickly absorbing carbohydrates and salt. So salt is going to help if you're having pretzels with some water. That's actually going to be like an electrolyte drink. Same, it's like, same it's idea. like a DIY electrolyte drink, pretzel flavor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> sure. I love it. I love it. Well, Jen, you've been awesome. Let's just, and I just want to, Ellen was just looking for some dairy-free race day options. I mean, I think we've kind of actually given quite a few. Is there anything that you think about when you think about your dairy-free clients? Yeah. I mean, other than really, because I don't really recommend too much dairy other than yogurt before yeah. racing. Okay. The flax milk, I love to recommend to dairy-free individuals because it has added protein. So a lot of dairy-free options, say like making a smoothie with almond milk, I would just say add protein powder, or you don't have to do that for using the flax milk because it's going to give you, I think about eight grams of protein in there. So again, it's convenient to, to kill two birds with one stone and they sell those. You don't have to refrigerate them in the containers, just like oh, the, the little, yeah. On the, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're great to travel with also. But I would just see more non-dairy options like the oatmeal or like the banana and peanut butter or even, you know, um, a cereal with a little bit of non-dairy milk that, you know, a low sugar cereal. Sure, sure. Anything that would sit in your stomach, a bagel with peanut butter. Like there's just options, many options that you don't have to use dairy. Nice. I love Great. it. Well, Jen, you are like a wealth of information and you've made me really yes. hungry. What about I you, know. Sarah? <laughs> I'm starving. Yeah, I haven't done my run yet. And so now my mind's ticking, like, what am I going to eat? When am I going to eat it? When am I, you know, <laughs> what's your advice, Jen? While I have you here, I have to do an eight mile run, uh, which I was planning on doing on the treadmill because it's pretty hot out. Yeah. And I've had breakfast. I had a late breakfast. Should I just have a snack now and then run? Or should I eat and then wait a little longer to run? What do you think? I would have a small snack. What time did you have breakfast at? Um, I didn't eat. I had a second breakfast. So I had that at like 1030. And I probably was going to run within the next hour or so. Okay. If you want to run soon then I would have a small snack just to, to kind of hold you over and mm-hmm. eight miles. It would maybe bring something with you just in case you got hungry during the run, just because it's been a while since you fueled, like maybe a small mm-hmm. gel or something. But right now you could have like a banana peanut butter or uh, even a, like a half a peanut butter sandwich. The whole one might be a little bit too much to digest for, within an hour, but something really mm-hmm. small or just like a bite of a granola bar, something mm-hmm. to kind of give your body enough nutrients and you'll be able to absorb that within the hour. And then you'll feel good on your run. Good. Have you Thank ever you. tried the Have you ever tried the um the nut butter Cliff Bars, Sarah? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were asking me. Oh, I love Jen, it. you like the yeah, yeah, Sarah. That's that's a yeah. good. I mean, I I would say that. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. They're a treat. They're definitely a treat. They're, yeah. They're another so, one. Costco, it's fun. I, Costco. Yeah. 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 Can you believe it? With four kids, I don't have a Costco membership. Everybody is like, "You're crazy," but um, we just don't. So I have no reason why we don't. Except the parking lot at Costco is insane, at in our local Costco. But everybody's like, "You have to get this. This is at Costco." I'm like, "Ah, I don't have a Costco." Membership. You can order online. Get a membership. <laughs> you know, I know. I know. Yeah, I love my Cliff Bars. I love those. My kids love them too. So um, yeah, this has been so helpful for me, and I know it's going to be so helpful for everybody out there who's training right now for a fall 
all race, Jen, you're awesome. And um, we'll make sure to include in the show notes every place that we can follow you, including on TikTok. So <laughs> you're just really fun. You're a fun follow on social media. You have a lot of interesting and, and cute and clever ways of engaging with your audience. So we'll make sure we get those out there for everybody to follow you and to learn from you because you are such a font of information. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, guys. This was so fun. My favorite topic to talk about. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Take care. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Jen.